Welcome to This Must Be the Place, the show that reveals the unique physical, cultural, and emotional layers of places. As some of you know already, this show is now being produced from San Sebastián Donostia in the Basque country of Spain. After over 10 years living in Seattle, Washington, back in the United States, we decided to take a year and move to Spain. The reasons why are, are well covered in the past two or three episodes, so take a listen if you haven't already. So, it has been just a tiny bit over a month since we have arrived, and as you can imagine, it has been a bit more challenging to produce podcast episodes since this first month involved a lot of settling in, getting our bearings, and a healthy amount of procedural business to get our Spanish residency and an apartment in place. Though I will spend a few episodes covering the pragmatic details related to planning, moving, and living as an expat for those considering doing something similar, Today, I want to focus on some more impressionistic details that have struck me during this first month. These details are more personal, idiosyncratic flows of consciousness rather than any grander social or cultural observation, since, for one, one month is clearly not enough experience to identify any of those, and two, I am really loath to make any of those anyway. In fact, I'm going to try hard not to fall into the trap of over-romanticizing these details, and if over time I end up being wrong about them, or if you live here and you think I'm just off my rocker, feel free to let me know. Because making lists is all the rage, and because it gives you a sense of how much of this episode will be left, I've identified seven observations or details that I'll chat about. So here it goes. Number one. Everywhere I walk, I am struck by the mostly unimpeded freedom children and dogs experience in the streets of Donostia. Unlike in the United States, where good parenting somehow requires that children remain within a tight orbit around their parents, kids here run, laugh, shout, fall, cry, kick soccer balls alone or in packs. These are scenes that seem like a, an, almost like an idyllic version of Lord of the Flies. In a way, it reminds me of my own childhood, before a wave of excess parenting regulation struck the United States, when I could play on the streets, move from one friend's house to the next, even take public transportation willy-nilly, without all this activity causing a negative perception on my mother's parenting abilities. And, this town is ruled by dogs. It seems like everyone has a dog that they need to walk morning, afternoon, and night. In particular, Smaller-sized dogs, such as Yorkshire Terriers, or even the mini versions of those, and mid-sized dogs, such as Jack Russell Terriers or, or Westies, are really popular here. And these dogs tend to have confidence and presence as they walk in the streets, whether on or off leashes. Their heads are, are sharply uplifted, their eyes taking in all that is around them, and they have an occasional look up or, or back at their human companion, just to make sure he or she is keeping up with the business at hand. Whether out on the streets, on the beaches, in bars and restaurants, dogs have poise and own their space. 
it, it now strikes me that a lot of dogs back in the United States seem to fall into the farther reaches of a spectrum. They're either over-disciplined and a bit reticent, or they are rambunctious goofballs bouncing around like pinballs. It's no surprise then that just recently Spain's Congress approved a change in the laws that seizes considering animals as property and instead as living beings with rights. Okay, number two. Since we've been here, our perception of time has shifted. Well, sure, the first week or so, that might have been the result of jet lag and recovering from a 26-hour trip lugging two cats across an ocean. But something else is afoot. Those familiar with Spain know that the working day is somewhat split into two main periods. The first period occurs roughly between 8 or 9 a.m. and about 2.30 p.m., and then the second between 4.30 or 5 and 8 p.m. In between those sectors, if you will, most of the town's working offices and stores shut down so people can have a good lunch, a good walk, or spend some midday quality time with their loved ones. We are finding that this split has created three discrete portions of the day for us since we're not quite used to this rhythm, and instead of being disorienting, It feels as if there are now two or sometimes three days packed into one. I mean, think about it. Because of the significant break in the middle, you are given the opportunity to really unclench, to really unwind from whatever the morning work burst produced before engaging with another burst later on. And that break in the middle? Well, it's a genuine resetting event. It's not, it's not, it's not right to call it a break. This shows a respect for human rhythms, I think, or if you prefer, an alternative approach on how to value leisure time in the midst of productive time. I think we fetishize productivity and efficiency in the United States as absolute goods and devalue the toll that takes on us. That said, there is a flip side. (laughs) Getting things done with government offices, with repairs, with legal procedures, and so on, is slower. I am so used to a certain response time when it comes to engaging with U.S. businesses and professional services that the slower rhythms here have caused sort of an initial flash of annoyance in me. But, being the inevitable philosopher I am, I am now dissecting why do I feel those flashes of annoyance, and I challenge whether my expectations of quicksilver response times are necessary to a good life. It may take extra time, But that extra time has now become time for me to linger and take it easy as well. 3. Donosti, which is San Sebastián's Basque name, is without a doubt the town that has the most humane size and scale I have lived in. And I do not only mean the pure quantitative measures such as population and physical size, though those have a lot to do with it, I mean that this town has a rich density of experiences to be had as you walk about it every day. The urban terrain is dominated by by smaller specialty shops rather than big box grocery, electronics, home furnishings, or what have you stores. 
this means that as you walk about the town, you have to think a bit about your route, about the geography of the town, of the times when shops will be closed in the middle of the day. It is not a land of always open, always available convenience. And I love that. Interacting with a specific shop, whether a bakery, a ferreteria, a pescaderia, a fruteria, allows you not only to meet different people with their different personalities and foibles, but it, it really forces your own brain to exercise different functions as you go along. In the U.S., it was easier to say, I'll go to Target, and I can just roam around and have these objects around me spark thoughts about whether I need them or not. Now, I have to think a bit about my needs and desires as I walk around, and there is something very satisfying about walking and thinking, especially in such a beautiful setting as Donosti. The day-to-day chores and tasks become pleasurable and inspiration takes hold more often. Now, this does not mean that all is uber-charming and small and cute. I mean, we visited the local Garabera Mall already and are planning on raiding the mega Carrefour grocery, furniture, electronics, clothing store, what have you, in the outskirts of this town as well. Sometimes you just need to burrow into one of those as well. In the fourth position, some people seem ruder. And I love it. Okay, hang on, let me backtrack. Ruder might be too harsh, perhaps. It is a combination of reticence and not suffering fools gladly. Now, I am not sure whether this is a particularity of the Basque culture or Spain at large, but it is noticeable. And why do I love it? Well, here's the thing. For the most part, unless you bump into incorrigibly sour people, that initial sense of standoffishness dissipates if your engagement with people is authentic and open. I think that unlike in the U.S. where engagement with strangers or mild acquaintances usually follows a a set of expected exchanges such as how are yous and talking about the weather, there is a get-down-to-business quality when communicating with those you do not know well. For instance, in shops, in banks, with real estate agents. That said, once there's a mutual acknowledgement that there is a a reciprocal lack of assholitude, if you will, between both parties, things warm up pretty quickly. And I love this because starting a conversation with strangers or colleagues with faux niceties and oddly personal yet impersonal small talk causes a a short circuit in my brain. I just can't do it. It's better to get down to brass tacks and allow those more personal exchanges time to develop as you both recognize facets of, of each other's character and personality over time. They say the Basques are distant and brusque at first, and then steadfast companions after that. I haven't had the time to really experience that, but I'll see if it's true. Five. The night we arrived, my wife unfortunately suffered a a really severe migraine attack, and that weakened her and made her feel very sick, so much so that we needed to call an ambulance and visit the hospital. Now, I don't want to get into many details, but suffice it to say that we've experienced the Spanish healthcare system more than once and have been grateful for it. Now, let's make it clear from the outset that as a requirement for our particular visa, We had to get private medical insurance in Spain, 
to prove basically that we would not mooch off the public system during our stay. Regardless, we understood firsthand why Spain is ranked in the top 10 healthcare access and quality index according to, to studies published by The Lancet earlier this year, which tracked healthcare systems between 1990 and 2015. A few experiences jumped out at us. One, the time the emergency room physicians, nurses, hospital doctors and staff took to listen, to diagnose, understand, explain, and comfort was significantly more than the time spent in the U.S. And it was quality time, making sure we had an understanding of their views and why they came to their conclusions. Their vibe was not one of thinking how to move one patient through the system as quickly and let's face it, as profitably as possible, but rather of one human being trying to understand another one's plight and applying their problem-solving skills upon that. At one point, the doctor spent about 20 minutes in our room not only discussing my wife's condition, but also talking about his family, answering our questions about the Spanish health system with a detailed explanation of why the Spanish education system produces doctors and nurses of highest quality, and simply wanting to practice his English on us. What struck us was the stark contrast between the humanity in our interactions compared to, and here are those words again, the efficiency and productivity of the U.S. health system, churning patients in and out of clinics and hospitals, even if they're not quite ready yet. I'm sure healthcare quality will vary by region here and across the private and public system spectrum, but I feel confident that this is a system I would prefer to get sick in. Sixth, during our first two months here, we've rented a piso in the Parte Vieja part of town. This is where there is a high concentration of restaurants and bars offering great food and pinchos. Though it is a great location, we only chose two months since we know this area will become thronged during the warmer months, during the depths of winter, this area is less populated and the pace is slower. But anyway, the point is not about the apartment itself. The point is about the body gel that was already in our shower when we arrived. It's called Musel, and it comes in an octagonal-shaped fuchsia bottle, and it has been described as, and I'm quoting here, the classic shower gel that is part of most Spanish households since the 1960s. Nuevas ediciones limitadas Musel by Jordi I love that damn body gel. It smells like, well, I guess European aristocracy. My wife, however, is not too crazy about it. She thinks it smells like the 80s. Whatever. I'm dousing myself in that stuff every day until I smell like Julio Iglesias wearing white pants, a white linen shirt on the deck of a shiny sailboat cruising over sparkling waters. And finally, number seven. Donostia really is nestled within a magical spot. Geographically, it is at a point where the Cantabric Sea, the Urumea River, rolling green hills, and imposing limestone mountains overlap and really form a graceful balance. At any point in town, you can turn your head and see all of these entities at once. Add to this the weather patterns we have experienced in the last month, ranging from torrential rains to crystalline sun to pounding hail, 
light snow, and powerful winds, and you find your day-to-day enhanced by this, these dramatic production values. In fact, we experienced the first storm of the season this past month, and it was given the official name of Borrasco Ana. This storm and its aftermath have caused the ocean to batter this town with thundering waves reaching six meters, that's about 20 feet. These waves not only create heavenly conditions for surfers, but they also make their way into the zone where the Urumea River meets the sea, and this causes the sight of seeing waves in the middle of the city where the river snakes in. And in what has to be one of the more powerful scenes the town has to offer, these waves pound the Paseo Nuevo, a road circling one of the town's mountains, Monte Urgul. And when these waves meet the walls of the Paseo Nuevo, well, just imagine a wall of water rising a hundred feet or more into the air, angry that its passage has been impeded by this paseo. In fact, I've captured video of this event, so go ahead and visit thismustbetheplace.io to find it, or you can go directly to our YouTube channel. Well, there you have it. Seven first impressions and thoughts capturing only surface details of my first month here. I hope you have found some of these intriguing. Stay tuned as I hit the pavement and find some people to chat with and who will help me get to know Donostia better over time. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share, like, or leave a review on iTunes about this podcast since all this activity helps us get noticed and grow. I would also love it if you visited thismustbetheplace.io where more podcasts, videos, and written content live. On that site, you will be able to find links that are relevant to some of the themes I discussed today, from information about the Spanish healthcare system to an ad extolling the virtues of Musel, the wonder bath gel. Oh, And I am aware that regular listeners might be wondering what happened to our cats. After all, during the last episode I left it a bit of a cliffhanger, since one of the cats is over 18 years old and suffers from congestive heart failure, among other things. Well, I'll dedicate an episode to to traveling with cats and we'll get into more details, but suffice it to say that the cats survived and are doing well. The Basque country seems to suit them. So, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast and receive the latest greatest episodes on your favorite app and device. Until the next time, this must be the place.